Welcome, everybody. My name is Inevitable Mike. This is the Comics and Pop-Tarts podcast channel. The only podcast for breakfast, but the only one that you can listen to for breakfast. Guys, I got some amazing creating talent here. The lovely, lovely Abby and Leanne. How are you guys doing tonight? Good. How are you, Michael? I'm doing great. Doing super good. Super good. Super good. All right. We got memes. Memes for quotes. <laughs> is that a meme oh okay now i get it everything's a meme there isn't a thing out there that isn't a meme You're or can't right. become one uh, yeah um, <laughs> I, I plan on using my logo to make a uh, pop tart toffle meme <laughs> pop -tart as we spoke about yeah as we spoke about earlier in chat the ultimate breakfast meme <laughs> since we're doing breakfast puns here on the show super healthy too <laughs> But before we dive into all the cool action, man, guys, I'm a copy editor and writer for an ink marketing company, our inked marketing studios. The only, only marketing plan you need for your comic, comic and film and or other else project uh, crowdfunding strategy. You can go to inkedpub.com, check out all of our live campaigns, find out how we do things. We have three different tiers. We've had some of the best, you know, Old Austin Janowski, Shane Hainsworth, Sean Hainsworth, um, and even Justin Gray, formerly known uh, as DC Comics writer, uh, so did a little, too, which which is nuts. He's got a he's got a comic he wrote that's got Punisher as Santa Claus. It was a Christmas edition. It's the craziest thing I ever read. It was really good though, really good. So yeah, eatpub.com. Check us out. We'll send you a solutions guide. Uh, that goes for you guys, too. <laughs> you guys make comics, man. Uh, Abby, I believe you're the artist. Uh, Leanne, you're the artist writer or writer? Writer, yeah. Okay. And you, I did help you push foul uh, fangs and foul play out there uh, when that when that came out last, was it? Was it uh, uh, November. Last, yeah, last fall. Yeah, yeah, thanks, yeah. Yeah, well, oh, no, that was, what, when... That was fall. I don't know why. In my mind, November is always winter. It's because it wasn't it that just, far away. <laughs> yeah, but it just like it feels like it's winter, you know. But it's like not actually, so it's confusing. <laughs> we we have a we have a children's book on Kickstarter right now through Inked uh, that Austin Janowski did called Stanley the Snowman. Uh, shameless plug. Ink.pub <laughs> slash forward Stanley the Snowman. You go check him out. It's an it's an early Christmas. Christmas children's story um, through Scoot, uh, the Scouts children's book program. But uh, because all the paper shortages, they're doing the Christmas book early, so they don't have to wait for the graphic novel stuff later, which I thought was really interesting. And it's actually doing pretty well. So people love Christmas at the beginning of the year. <laughs> Still in the spirit. Yeah, well, it must have something to do with all the depressing things that people see in the news these days, like war in Russia and COVID still a thing. So, which is killing our con, our con game, bastards. Yeah, I just signed up for three, so they're coming back. But I don't know what that's going to look like in terms of like attendees. It's it's not as strong. Um, I didn't go yeah. to PenceCon this year because Kevin Smith backed out, and I'm currently stalking oh. him. So <laughs> he doesn't have a new writer's assistant, and I love that dude. He's he's been he's been with me through my childhood, and I'm doing like the same things he's been doing for the last decade. Uh, huge inspiration, but I'll be doing 
I'll be at MegaCon this coming up. This coming up May. So yes. if you guys are there, stop by the table. Where, where's that at? Uh, Orlando. Okay. Yeah, it'll be a little flight for me. <laughs> uh, a little flight. So so yeah, let's get into that, man. Um, let's start with Abby since that's how you show up first, and then uh, Leanne, we can start with you next. Sure. Um, tell us a little about about you know who you are and how you came to to be in comics. Like, what was your journey like up until this point? Um, I uh, started off. Um, just kind of like studying um, comics. <laughs> uh, this this story might be a little bit abridged, um, <laughs> but okay. I actually I I was an illustrator, um, kind of a, tr a traditional illustrator. When um, I, I started out with that, like I started out with watercolors um, and ink and things like that. And um, I'm always about like pushing myself. Like I always feel like I I hit I hit the ceiling and then I'm like, okay, no no no, that, that's not it. Like I'm not there yet. <laughs> So, I'm never enough. <laughs> yeah, it's never enough. So um, I actually uh, started just like looking for kind of different like things that I could do. And, and honestly, like I, I, I like collecting certifications. So um, I was on LinkedIn Learning and um, you have the ability, like if you, if you finish um, like a certification for them, you can post it on your profile. And I love that. <laughs> I, I just love that visual. So I was looking through like the art things that they had and I saw that um, there was a comic book um, class on there. So I ended up going through all of that and really liking it and really seeing like all of the things that could like come from doing comics. And I really have always loved drawing expression. And I always kind of like felt that I, I was a little stinted on drawing expression. People always were like, oh my gosh, your expression is so good. But I always felt like I could push it further. <laughs> so um, I felt like comics could really be like what, what would help me get to that point where I was, I was be able to like draw expression and like follow through. So it's not just a single illustration. Like you have an entire story that you're telling. And um, I really liked that aspect of it. And then, you know, I, I kind of got lucky just like finding, finding Leanne and um, she had a project and I was like, hey, I'm an artist and you know, <laughs> I've, I've never really done comics before. And, you know, we just, we kind of clicked. So um, yeah, so that, that's kind of how I, I got into it. And that's an awesome segue into Leanne's story because you guys have been working together for quite some time, actually. Have I seen over the last year that I've been in the comics community, you two pop up quite often, especially around community with Travis and them. I was about to say that we have a story coming out soon, and then I was like, wait, it's on Kickstarter now with Orange Color. <laughs> <laughs> Shameless plug, we have go! two on Kickstarter now. <laughs> uh, at the same time. Yeah, two at the same time. That's that's awesome. Not many creators hit that feat. Uh, most most new creators, um, even some of the the more experienced ones that are coming out of publishers, small publishers, they end up only doing like one book a year on on Kickstarter because a, a lot of artists, especially professionals who who are coming out of the freelance game, working with publishers, they're starting to not take payment plans and they're starting to take money up front. Um, so it's taken creators a while to save up money. I mean, unless you have friends who know where you live and they're just like, man, it's okay. If you don't pay me, I'll just come to your house. <laughs> um, <laughs> or if you have friends like you guys who get close enough, you're like, let's do some stuff. Cause we know we're going to make the money and that's different. So Leanne, man, tell us, tell us, tell us about 
about your journey into comics and, right. and as a writer as well because i'm also yeah yeah i'm thoroughly intrigued um so i'm a uh, speculative fiction and comics and poetry uh writer although i mostly write poetry kind of like a little bit separate but still like you know it's still like semi-connected um so speculative what? fiction if i could interject for uh, a moment yeah that that's like, what if we did meet aliens on the moon? Yeah, well, it, okay. it's really just like an umbrella for um, hor horror, uh, science fiction, and fantasy. Oh, okay. So like some HP Lovecraft stuff, like yeah. the stuff you guys are doing now. I mean, because essentially all of these kind of do ask that, like, what if, you know, what if magic was real? What if um, space, you know, there's aliens, you know, whatever. So they're all kind of, you know, they're what if scenarios. They're not... Um, I mean, really, I guess any story kind of is, unless it's an autobiography or a biography. I believe, but... I believe magic is real. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Segwaying back. <laughs> uh, so I've been writing on and off since, like, I mean, I guess forever, but high school is when I really, like, kind of, like, remember, because I have a really terrible long-term memory. So um, that's when I kind of, like, think, that's what I think of when I think of, like, oh, this is when I started writing, like, really writing. Um and then I wasn't writing for a while. Uh, like I just had some people in my life who were very not encouraging. Um, and then got out of that and uh, started writing again. I was writing a lot of short stories. I still do that every now and again. Um, and uh, saw Russell's call for Cthulhu is hard to spell too. And so then that's when I uh, put the call out for artists and found Abby. That is that's a that's a cute little story, man, and and that's that's so how it happens too, um, and afraid to put that that fresh foot forward, and if you have toxic people in your life, audience listeners out there who are like, I want to write stuff and I want to publish shit, and I want to I want to make comics or I want to make film, like it doesn't matter what medium of the entertainment industry you into, if you have toxic people in your life, they're going to um, subsequently. Um, subtract from your energy output and your creative energy is going to be shot. I just did a, I just did an episode about this um, mm -hmm. over the weekend, actually uh, about how um, negative energy impacts your creative energy and interrupts your flow. So you can't focus and mm -hmm. touch those divine ideas that make stories intriguing um, and character arcs and, and plot, plot telling really, really special. So it's it's a powerful thing to to have removed yourself from those situations. And now here you are on the precipice of the beginning of what sounds like a really healthy career with a real who's going to be an artist for you for a long time because artists go where the money goes. Right. <laughs> Especially if you guys click and it's just like one of those, you know, um, um, Steve, not Steve. Shame on you, man. He's on your desk. <laughs> um, <laughs> Oh man, Stan Lee and, and Jack Kirby situations. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, they born a, an entire generation of creators were probably part of that generation, or at least some of us are. I know I'm a huge Jack Kirby fan. Um you guys have you might have like more like female inclined heroes now that there's more females in the industry, which is great. Um but that's that's really cool. So so let's let's segue into that. So Cthulhu, uh hard to spell. Mm-hmm. Is that is that one of those is that one of those play on the word spell, like hard to spell, hard to sell type things? No, I don't think so. No, no. 
I mean, yeah. that's what that's what that's what it read like to me. It was like, literally it's hard, hard to, to spell. spell. <laughs> yeah, no, tag, it's, like. it's a it's a play on the fact that Cthulhu is actually hard to spell. I definitely misspelled it. I like the first couple times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't misspell it. Like whenever I'm trying to like share the um share the links and everything, <laughs> I'm like I need to just like bookmark these things because yeah. I can't spell Cthulhu. I'm sorry, Russell. I I cannot spell Cthulhu. <laughs> Funny story, I turned in a, a paper in the eighth grade and um, we I was I was doing world history and we were doing like Greek mythology and just Cthulhu just happened to pop up. Don't ask me how, I don't know. <laughs> um, it sounds like indoctrination at this point though because I've seen Cthulhu used as a, as a term like my entire life. But uh, I was so bad at spelling and grammar that I've always been able to spell Cthulhu correctly. <laughs> And now Just that like I have my a, default, you spell Cthulhu correctly. Yeah, and and now that I have a master's in in liberal arts, right? Like, I spell it wrong sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> like you dumbass, you're like your counterpart would be so ashamed of you. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about the story. Like, is I mean, was that the first draft? The the draft that's in the book with all the characters that you guys created for it. Or was there like one of those scenarios where you wrote A, B, C, and D, and then uh, you guys did like a few sample pages of each, and then you just picked whichever you guys thought was the best one? Oh or, no, it or... was um, yeah, it was just uh, the first story because you know we have to pit we have to pitch the story idea. Uh, so generally, it doesn't generally the overall story idea doesn't change once the pitch is accepted. Right. And I say generally because um, in the last volume, I forgot that it wasn't supposed to be uh, that it was supposed to be kid friendly. Um, so we actually had to change our present. We actually did have to change the story for that one. I, yeah, I remember yeah. that. <laughs> so, uh... I, do, I didn't realize that that's what it was. Like, I feel like I saw some of the emails between you and Russell. And I think I feel like I saw that he was like, this is super complicated. But I guess there was more to it. <laughs> well, I think like because I couldn't the original story, I couldn't figure out how to redo it in a way that was like still funny without the adult <laughs> part. So at that point it was like, okay, new idea. Did this you idea is stiff, we need to raise the maturity. <laughs> no, well, I mean, I sent him the idea, I, I think. Yeah. But it wasn't like, I mean, I guess if I didn't come up with anything, that would have been a problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean you're out of ideas? You're a yeah. creative. Oh, right. Yeah, because that never happens. Yeah. Creatives never run out of ideas no. ever. I mean, I, I, I have thousands of ideas, but it doesn't mean I don't like, you know, have times when I'm like, oh, I don't want to work well, on any of these or whatever. That's, yeah, that's yeah. why we talk about art blocks so often. Because it's like, yeah, sometimes I'm depressed, so my, <laughs> I my, don't, I my don't have any energy to create, or I don't have any like, like room in my brain to create. Sometimes. Oh, so you're like a you're yeah. like a method actor writer. You got to like be in the mood and feel the characters and shit. Do you? I mean, you can. Method actors stay in character. All I the time. I don't work like that. I just do it. <laughs> oh, sometimes I let my ideas marinate for like two weeks. Almost like a hybrid, uh, like a hybrid, um, man, spacing on names today. Wake the sh wake up, Mike. Oh, man. Stephen King. 
uh, technique where he like he writes something or like a chapter and then he puts it in a drawer and like he mm. waits three weeks and he comes back and it's like, who the worth this shit? Like this is horrible. <laughs> and then like he'll go back in and probably because he was up. high. <laughs> I don't know. Stephen does, King, does like Stephen I love King's reading the Halloween. like Stephen King's like comments about like his books. Because a lot of them were like, I was so depressed that I just got blackout drunk or like super high for like seven months. And then this book was published and you're like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense, I guess. <laughs> you heard that, Stephen King? You almost mm -hmm. made Abby a, a freaking alcoholic. <laughs> and I can't write like, uh, yeah, I can't write like that. I can't, like one drink maybe. But then I'll like get to a point where I'm like, oh, I'm feeling like super relaxed. And then I'm just like, I'm going to go yeah, do whatever. Exactly. I'm not working anymore. Okay. <laughs> Once I get tired, I'm like, mm, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. But like, as for like moods and stuff, like whenever I, whenever I do take like a job, like usually I, I'm in the mood to do that job when I sit down. So it's mm. not, it's like, it, but it's because I have the job. It's like, I art is like 90% of like what I am. Like I, art is my personality. So right. when I sit down in front of my computer to, to do a job that I've, that I've gotten, I, it's the mood is I'm drawing now. So it's not even that I'm a method actor. It's that I am just, I am an artist. That's just what I do. So I, I usually try not to get drunk before that, but <laughs> sometimes it I don't happens. Know. It's, it's, you know? It sounds like you you would make really cool things, especially if you like have problems remember doing it when it happens, and then you wake up and you're just like, "Who no, did I this? It's so amazing." King said that. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I, that's, honestly... that's what Stephen King does when, or that's what Stephen King has said about like his writing and stuff. Is that uh, sometimes he just gets like super depressed or there have been books that he's written when he's super depressed and he's just so high that he he doesn't know what was happening when he was writing them. Like, I don't okay. do that. <laughs> I don't need to do that. Kevin Smith would be pleased to hear that because he'd probably send him a solicitation email for his weed shop. <laughs> like, come on over, Steve. There's no reason to be depressed. I made clerks. So... <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a, I I introduced the 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 subject to this, and I was talking with a with another creator about like what we put out, and like should we feel responsible for any type of transference of like emotions mm -hmm. that we put out there? Like Stephen King puts all this really cool, really diverse, universal, dynamic descriptors out there for a lot of his books. Like, I'm sure there's a book that hasn't been published called The Yellow Sweater, where it's just like 16 chapters of this sweater, um, because that's his ability to describe things. But, like, is he ever, like, is he responsible for somebody ending their life because of the tone of the way he writes? And it just got me writing when, like, it, it completely shot my, creative my creativity. And I was writing something YA that day, and I was just like, man... Yeah, sometimes I don't want to. I don't want to kill nobody. Like, I just stop <laughs> I can. I, beg, I can definitely see that. It begs the question, though. Getting off the topic of Stephen King because he's not here, so fuck him. <laughs> um, <laughs> what should, we are, uh, should we tag him when we post it? 
Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to delete the F U oh. one and it's really not out of disrespect as we were just horsing yeah. around. Sorry, Steven. Oh. Uh he worked in, he worked with one of um one of the guy one of the creators, uh, Scott Snyder, that I that I'm uh mm-hmm. I'm partial to his Substack and they they wrote a few a few things back in the day, so I don't wanna <laughs> disrespect him and then I get a chance to meet Scott one day and Scott's like, Fuck you, Mike. <laughs> Steven told me what she said about him on your podcast. And it's like, holy yeah. shit, you guys listen to that? I'm a nobody. Well, you're somebody now, not to him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so coming up in the industry, uh, what were your, some of you guys' like influences, like inspirations? Like you said, you're 90% art and uh, you've been writing most of your life, Leanne, um, most of your life. Uh, what was you guys' inspirations I'll go first. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I've i always followed artists that do a range of things. Um, there's one specifically uh, named uh, Yana Bogach. She's a Canadian graphic novelist, um, but she, well, she's a graphic novel artist. And um, she uh, did, she, she studied animation in college and I've just really enjoyed animation as well. And she's also a watercolor painter and she just does all of these different things. So I'm always really drawn to artists that do a lot of different things. Um, just, just style wise. Like I can't, I can't say that I like growing up, like I had a comic artist that I followed all the time. Like everybody that I, that I follow is because I'm inspired by like what their mind does. So that's, that's kind of where I come from and when as a creator, people who can do a whole bunch of stuff. Multifaceted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's never good to just to be like complacent with just one skill. And well, no, there's I've, a lot I've, of people that are complacent with just one skill. I don't even think it's complacency. I think that it's people who are good at something and are comfortable being good with something. Right. Just because I want to do a whole bunch of different things or somebody else wants to do a whole bunch of different things doesn't make somebody who only writes or only draws or only paint, paints complacent. That doesn't make anybody complacent. Well, well I think somebody who sticks to one thing uh, has a better chance of like mastering it, you know? Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's okay to do a whole bunch of things and it's okay to do just one thing. It doesn't make anybody complacent. But you don't want to do just one thing. You want to do everything. Well, no, that's just how my brain works. <laughs> oh. <laughs> if I could sit down and do just one thing, then I would, but it, it's not a bad thing to do one or the other. David Bowie's singing up there. There's a little tiny you just walking around looking for your focus for that day. Just totally in awe of all the things that you're seeing. That's kind of how mine is. Actually, I have problems focusing. So, Leanne, you're up. Uh, um, so, yeah, I didn't get into comics until college. Uh, I was into manga in, like, late high school, um, early college, and then comics, like, late college. Um, so... I, I probably more resonate with like uh, fiction writers, um, like you know, novel writers. Uh, and some of my, um, some of the people I really like, um, they're actually not as well known. Um, so they're actually both uh, female writers, is uh, C.S. Friedman and uh, Mickey Zucker Reichart. And I know C.S. Friedman's still writing because she posts on Facebook. I don't think that Mickey Zucker Reichart has done anything since her like, um, I don't want to say it was like six books and then there was like two others. So like eight books total. I don't think she's written since then. 
Um, so probably not, you know, not really in the scene. <laughs> um, I haven't read nearly as much Neil Gaiman as I would like to, but I've liked everything I've read. And for poetry, I actually really, really love Margaret Atwood's poetry. I have not read much of her fiction and I have not watched Handmaid's Tale. Handmaid's or Handmaidens? Anyways. Don't. 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 <laughs> that, that show messed me up. Uh, like yeah. within the first couple of episodes, that show messed me up. Yeah, I, I watched like, it. To go outside. Yeah, I was I was kind of surprised it passed so many tests, but I guess it's so controversial and, mm -hmm. and inclined that it's like we'd be stupid not to put this on the TV, guys. Like, right? Well, and the book's but, like what twenty plus years old, I think. I don't remember exactly. The book's been out for a, a very long time. Handmaid's yeah. Tale, I think, is. I mean, it's still running. <laughs> Oh no! Yeah. I was saying when the book came out. Though. Oh, oh, okay. I wasn't yeah. sure which one you were referring to. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, see now, if I search it, it's like the show is what comes up first, not the. Oh yeah, 1985. Sorry, way more than 20 years. Ooh. So I wasn't even born yet. <laughs> I was just born. <laughs> oh well, a little more, but yeah. Um, and it, it's kind of funny that I like her poetry so much because half of it's like political and Canadian, and I'm like, I don't know what she's saying, but it's pretty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's like these are really nice words i love the way that they sound together uh, i like your funny words yeah i was like i don't know what she's referring to because well that's the thing is like half of it's canadian politics and i'm like uh, what's going on i don't know um and uh i when i started getting into comics the one that i i'm really behind on my reading but uh don't tell anyone um <laughs> uh michael turner's fathom is just like probably the first thing I think I picked up. I'm like super behind on my reading, but that's because I'm so busy writing and reading everybody else's stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, man, I just, I told myself like at some point I'm gonna have to set aside Sundays to catch up on reading. I just bought a comic mm -hmm. box today and a whole bunch of other stuff. And like volume one of the quarter house for Batman that I still haven't read yet. Oh, nice. And uh, Marvel zombies. I'm finally getting into them. Um, and I'm reading a bunch of stuff by Tom Taylor, who I'm primarily reading right now because he's killing it. One of the only people to ever write simultaneously at Marvel and DC at the same time with the highest comics, like in the top five sellers lists. Dang. It's nuts. Um, yeah, and like his first book, spoilers, he kills like, well, that's not spoilers. He kills like <laughs> four main characters in the Marvel Universe. I was just like, oh, they let him do that. Oh, my God. It was, it was amazing. I'm but, sure that just means that they're going to have to do a reboot, right? Well, I mean that that's the nature of comics when you have yeah. so many when you have so many characters, and that's the you know the multiverse and the continuity thing. So yeah, I mean eventually you have to. It kind of plays into the Eternals movie though a little bit, um, and it actually it, it it conflicts with the Eternals movie actually because mm. they go into the center of the Earth to fight something that was in the internals was stopped from happening not hmm. to spoil the movie for anybody who hasn't seen it but you don't have disney plus it's eight bucks go go watch that <laughs> shit it's not hard oh no i got i have disney now because we upped our phone plan so i get free disney so i should go i gotta go sign up oh yeah you better get it for the first mm -hmm. you know three or four years it'll stay at eight but once they get that netflix money it'll go up to 20. yeah yep <laughs> <laughs> you can't share your stuff no more. Netflix is about to start charging people for that. 
So apparently they got this cool new algorithm they tested in Canada mm. where you share your password, they charge your account. <laughs> That's nuts. All I got to say is turn off your location, people. Location, location, location. Because <laughs> if somebody hogs in your shit in California where your cousin That'd is. That'd be interesting. You know how you have to like call your credit card companies when you're traveling to be like, hey, I'm yeah. traveling. And you have to like call Netflix and be like, I'm traveling. Don't charge me. I'm going to be watching this on my phone. That Or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they should, they should tell that to Netflix. I don't think anybody's thinking of that over there. They're just worried about their multi-billion dollar portfolio they keep building. <laughs> we need more movies. I still haven't watched the ones that came out last year. That's ridiculous. So is there anything you guys uh, particularly wanted to point out um, with the uh, the Hard to Spell Volume 3 story? Characters, um, the story. Yeah, um, it's not exactly. It's, it's not. A, it's not a continuation of our story in two, but it does have a little uh, homage. Okay. So we did kind of like go back to it, um, and I used a little bit of the uh, um, Buffy when she goes to college and she's all like super overwhelmed. Like that's kind of starts out like this. This kid's going to college, and um, the whole premise of Cthulhu is hard to spell. Three is that because it started out in one with. Um, shoot i don't remember two was the gods were invading earth so i think one was like maybe they were waking up or something and i can't quite recall uh and then three is like they've conquered um you know like they're ruling the earth now and uh the old gods like you know mythology and whatnot they're all getting mad at them and you know stuff like that um so it creates a lot of like uh, opportunity for conflict and uh so the Cthulian gods are, are running this college now because they're just running everything. And uh, so uh, mayhem ensues. And our, our poor character is in the... And he's in the middle of it. He's in the middle of all this mayhem. And he, he does not want to be there. Too fucking bad because that's how you wrote him. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I should have just written him at home being safe and sound and nothing happens. Hey, I feel like that would have been a really good four-page story. story. Sorry, you guys were talking. I don't know. He's <laughs> first. I feel like that would have been a really good four-page story. Nothing happens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, we well, just... you could always like you could always go back and forth from like he's watching TV or something, and like something like the world is ending outside. Yeah. And every time he moves into like he can like get up and go to the refrigerator, there'd be another window where shit happens outside. And it was like you set up the audience to like anticipate something about to happen, and then you just close the fridge and he <laughs> goes back to the living room. There's another window there, and there's more shit happening outside. Good, and like yeah. he walks outside to the front door, more anticipation build up. He grabs the newspaper, doesn't even look around. Shit happening outside, goes back inside, closes the door. Like a completely clueless character who has no tether to the rest of the world. Right. <laughs> that, like that's exactly the opposite of what, <laughs> what we did. <laughs> Is it? Like exactly the opposite of, of your story. Like he's so involved the entire time, just like with his anxiety. And like, I don't know. I feel like you wrote him with anxiety. I know I keep saying anxiety, but like, I, I don't know what your actual interpretation of what. But I don't know if like I actually movie? thought of that word, but I think it really fits. You know? Yeah, I think it does. It does fit him. <laughs> I, like, I, I don't know if when I was writing, I was actually thinking that word. You know, 
Yeah. <laughs> I think that's like very, that is very much our character. He, yeah. 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 <laughs> so he, he's just like so in tune with like everything that's going on around him that it's just like, what the, what the fuck? Yeah. So. I actually like, feel like it's almost like the, um, in the second, Cthulhu is hard to spell too. Um, the story was Home Hunting Apocalypse Edition. Mm -hmm. And our characters are pretty oblivious, kind of like. Yeah, you're yeah, right. Pretty <laughs> until like the end. It's like exactly the opposite. That's amazing. Yeah. You love that. Yeah. I, I didn't even think of that. Do you guys have any plans on being in a fourth? Has a fourth been discussed? I know this is still on Kickstarter, but I think I think that Russell is done. Yeah, unless they team. unless things change, this is the the final for this. Yeah this oh, series this yeah that's sad because I, I i missed i missed the call for it because i was just coming into the community and i saw they already had two and i was just like man i can't wait for my next one because who was gonna at in a pillow fight that'd be my form four four page pitch well more good horrible news than is Cthulhu fighting a cat in a pillow fight <laughs> i do feel the cat's gonna win though i mean of course he is that's a pillow fight yeah <laughs> 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 you cannot um, not laugh at a pillow fight. True. I feel like there is never like a lack of a Cthulhu book on Kickstarter, though. So this is very. There very... will be something. I actually got a really awesome art print um, at Free Comic Book Day last year in my comic shop by uh, Brian McKnight, and it was a Cthulhu, and it was kind of kind of remind me of that. You guys ever watched Xena back in the day? Oh yeah makes me sound so old i'm so sorry guys um remember when xena used to air on tv that's not even better uh, <laughs> you guys remember the trailer before xena started the show <laughs> she would be mm -hmm. on that rock like off the coast and poseidon would just rise out of the water and look down on her and you could see the size scale it's kind of like that but like an ots shot from the back mm -hmm. it was just like underneath the lightning and the shading it's amazing uh, when we get done, I'll take a picture and I'll throw it up in group chat. But it, it was it was really awesome. Uh, and he's a he's an awesome artist, top tier caliber too. Uh, I was really excited to meet him. Oh man, um, so that's sad. I'm sure I'm sure it'll change mine. I mean, uh, volume three is doing really really well, and I th I believe I caught the sales in volume two, and it did good. I don't know what volume was was because I wasn't even thinking about comics when that happened. I was still in school. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Volume two did well. I think that we were like our, our goal. I mean, our Kickstarter goal was met. I think we wanted to make, you know, the internal goal was a little bit more, but it was like COVID had like, gosh, I don't know. It was like maybe a month after lockdown or something. So yeah. like cons considering it did really well, you know, considering the pandemic and everything. Right. Well, I know because shortly after the pandemic happened, like everybody was holding on to their money mm -hmm, for a few months. And then after that, they were just like, this is going to be a while. And everybody's like, what the fuck are we going to do? We can't do nothing <laughs> and sit in our houses. Yeah. Everybody just started perusing online and the Kickstarter just blew out of the water. And uh, I read an article the other day that said um, comics um, and online gaming were the two biggest industries hmm. of the pandemic to, to like double in profit size. Wow. I was like, that's not surprising. 
I did read a lot and I played a hell of a lot of games because they're just, I mean, it was, wasn't nothing to do. My, my, my job was completely obliterated because I valeted for a casino. So, oh yeah, no yeah, hands on. Gone, yeah. And, and you yeah. know, like a lot of those cars you get into to drive down to the, the, the garage to park. Um, not everybody's cleanly. So, I mean, mm. a lot of those cars were already screwed up as it was. Yeah. I was sad, but I was also glad. I'm like, oh man, because if they would ask me to stay, I'd have been like, hazard play, hazard play, <laughs> some bitch. Yeah. Like, Give me about a, my life is on the line. I haven't been worried about the pandemic though. But even after post pandemic, which I kind of feel like we're in post, because they're talking like, about like, boosters every year. Down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, people are coming out of their freaking caves and and starting to put perfume on and cut their hair again. <laughs> <laughs> mingle with people uh my first experience of that was uh was last year's pensacon it was it was amazing i didn't go this year i said kevin smith wasn't there but i'll be making con this year and it's i've heard it's going to be really really crazy because cons have doubled in size as well like in person and stuff hmm. i'm super excited to meet people and it's as weird as that sounds because most people aren't aren't people person yeah um, what uh, what, what cons are you guys going to this year? If you don't mind me asking. Oh my gosh! So I haven't. This is like my first time. Not nervous. And it's like a little okay. bit nervous. Yeah, because I'm not <laughs> like um, I'm I'm a little bit shy, but also an extrovert. I'm I'm less shy now than I was like I don't know three four years ago. Right. Um, but yeah, I've never really like sold in person. I've never really been you know salesy. So that's gonna be interesting. Um, I'm also really terrible at memorizing stuff and it would be good if I could like memorize some pitches, even though they're short, I'm just not like, you know, it's not my forte. Um, but yes, I just, I, 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 uh, dumped a good bit of change into like supplies and displays and everything. <laughs> so I'm actually, I'm going to WonderCon in, um, uh, it's a little bit over two weeks and then, um, I, I'm like 99% sure I'm in for San Diego comic fest, not comic con comic fest uh and ontario comic-con revolution and then i i kind of want to feel these out see how they go before i apply to anything else because i'm like okay i need to see do i want to do like a lot more or not i don't know well between chicago or not chicago san diego and ontario those are two huge cities so bring yeah, all your orders <laughs> bring all the what Bring all your bulk orders, all your back orders, all, all everything. Just bring it all. <laughs> yeah, well, I just have the one right now, so it's that's a little bit tricky. But I got a lot of merch, and then I have like the anthology books that I've been in that are. I'm, one of them hasn't been. Uh, it like they're still printing, so I don't have copies of that one just yet. And then, of course, everything that's on Kickstarter right now. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> we don't have those yet. But you, you jump up on Canva and just throw a QR code on there with some pretty art and just print out the pamphlets. And just hand those out. Like, Here, you got cell phones. Scan this shit. Just give us. Yeah. Some yeah. No, actually, I am doing a little. Well, maybe it's not that pretty, but I'm doing a little flyer with you know, like, oh, hey, these are the Kickstarters I'm in right now. Go check them out. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> go check them out you're gonna spend that dollar on soda you don't need that here you go <laughs> a dollar a dollar a dollar on soda it's not a dollar for soda <laughs> like twenty dollars for a soda <laughs> we're just trying to get the dollar we don't need to we don't need to know <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, I've caught people sometimes handing stuff out especially as a kid you know a-list candy bar salesman right here all throughout <laughs> 
uh, when I played the cello in uh, in middle school. You know, you had those Votech candy bar contests. Like if you sell yeah. a bunch for your A club, you get a bunch of stuff. And I, and I always I would always just ask, like my mom always said, like just be shameless. All you have to do is ask. The worst they could say is no. And then when you open the box, say this: Do you see anything you like? <laughs> and at that point, that other person's gonna have a decision to make. They're gonna let you down because they don't care, or they're going to feel guilty for wanting to say no and buy something anyway. So you have a 50 percent chance to close the deal just based on that phrase. So. My mom passed away last year, so let that wisdom guide you. <laughs> it's funny how uh, all those memories kick up when people, mm. you know, leave leave this world. All the yeah. all the memories you you know forgot about and shit. So you're going to three cons. Uh, was that Abby? That was Abby that said that. I don't know why they don't have those. Oh little... no, that was that was, that was... Uh, Liam. Yeah. Leanne, okay. okay, Abby, are you going to any concerts? <laughs> it was me. I don't, yeah. I don't have any bubbles. There's no effects on my bubbles, so it doesn't show. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is this I... is what video is going to clear up for me. It's going to let me know who's talking when we get to that point. <laughs> I don't have any setup. Um, we have a convention here. Um, I don't. I, I don't haven't been able to travel a lot for conventions because I started pretty much right before uh, COVID happened. So um, I have New Mexico Comic Expo possibly coming up. It really just, it depends on how they do. Um, okay. And that's, I, I'm, I always am waffling with El Paso Comic-Con. Um, I could always do a lot of the, the Texas ones, but um, it's, I, I'm just kind of waiting to see how everything goes. Because um, I I go a lot for networking and um, really more for networking than for selling. Like I I go I go to sell my own things that I've created and that's right. usually just like a lot of fun. Um, but like being able to network and do that at the same time requires me to to have like usually my sister will go and like man my booth for me um, when when I'm talking to people. Um, so it's kind of hard to, uh, go to conventions out of state when I can't, when I don't have somebody to kind of like take with me. Right. So I just, I kind of, I I'm waiting to see how things go and where I am with, with the, all of this first. So. so let's talk about that for a minute The cons. Right. Um, and this was brought up by one of my previous guests, Bex Thompson. And I don't know, know if you guys were privy to the comment thread a few weeks back. Um, cause I remember, um, uh, the gentleman, the guys are that's sponsoring the, the book, um, had made a comment about how he hates who people or creators who go to cons and sell out of their backpacks because it kind I of saw that thread. I know what thread you're talking about. All right. So you yep. saw him and then I commented on there. And so let's, let's get you guys take on this. Cause I find this very interesting. And my I don't audience. know if I saw your comment. <laughs> I don't. Well, there, I know there, I saw some of them, but I didn't follow the whole thing because at some point yeah. it was like, "All right, I gotta work." You know? <laughs> there, there was a lot of comments, and and yeah. a lot of a lot of people were just kind of like candid. They didn't take the time, and like they basically just threw it out there, like, "Oh, I hate those types of people." Right. you know, and I'm sure they meant nothing by it. But being that I got to talk to Specs on the show, 
and I helped him push uh, push his comic boots and mm-hmm. uh, Legend of the View, which are actually they look really good. And um, and and I understand the grind and the hump, right, to to sell and and get. But he was coming from a place I felt that was more of a a trunk salesman position, whereas mm-hmm. you're going to a place where the circus is popping up tents and you have to pay your dues. So you're kind of like offending the people that are already there, but you're also looking at saving on money for the cons, which is a big thing for creators. Like, um, like you, Leanne, you said you, you put out quite a bit of money for supplies and stuff. Well, yeah. It costs money to rent booths, right? Table, yeah. table fees. That's how cons make their money. And that's how they get everybody to come together in one place. So, so I, I just suggested maybe instead of, looking at it like you're saving money look at it like you're investing in yourself as a business mm-hmm. because i th- i think that when you go to these events um as abby pointed out that networking is the most valuable thing that you are getting from these events because it's the only place um whether it's annually yearly or one time a year where creators who come from publishing houses, small publishers, big publishers, magazines, um, and even press and media come together under one roof to celebrate the one thing that everybody's there to see. And that probably a combination of toys and film and comic books and art. Um, so what are you guys' opinion on what you find more valuable that you get out of cons? Is it money? Is it exposure? Is it network potential? I mean, Abby pretty much already answered this question, but... Yeah, I mean, this is going to be my first time, not as an attendee. Okay. So, um, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, I feel like I, I don't know how much I'm going to be able to get away from my table, in part, because, like, if you read the contracts, they're all like, oh, you're supposed to be at your table most of the time. And I'm like, okay, so... How long... How much time do I have to, like, go say hi with other, to other people, you know? Right. <laughs> uh, how long can I be away? I don't know. Well, I don't want them to, like, not invite me back. Yeah, that's what I like about the smaller conventions is that, like, I can actually leave my table and not have to worry too much about, like, missing people. Because mm-hmm. I think, like, with the, with the bigger conventions, you have to worry that, like, you're missing, like, 500 people if you're gone for an hour or something like that. But, like, sometimes with the smaller conventions, it's like, oh, it's lunchtime or, oh, this creator or this this um, actor is is signing things now. So there's a whole bunch of people out there. So I have time mm. to step away and, and speak to the people that I'm interested in talking to or look at other people's because I'm always in Artist Alley. So... I have to talk to a lot of the artists and just just the different like creators that are that are there. So that that's what I kind of value about the smaller conventions is that there's still people there. Like I got I got to meet um I got to meet Ben Bishop, um, you know, and Andy Kuhn, uh David Avalone, just, just a whole bunch of really cool people. Um, just at, at my New Mexico Comic Expo because there were times when it was slow, so they had time to walk around and I had time mm-hmm. to walk around. And um, yeah, so that that's why that's why I look at the smaller conventions when when I do that. Like I love to do the big conventions, but it's more that would be more about selling. So I guess for me, it would be the size of the convention um, would be like what I expected to get out of it. That's so. 
interesting approach to it too because you're right smaller venues means more traffic if more people show up so more opportunities to talk to individuals um, whereas bigger conventions have more traffic and you could have a few breaks to get away if something was drawing the crowd away but not so much so to get away to well, talk and to you people you have to consider too that like at the bigger conventions, those people are going to be mobbed as well. It's not just you, it's it's them. Like if, if you're going there to see Kevin Smith or whoever, like everybody's gonna be there to see Kevin Smith. So it's right. it's so hard to, it's hard to like gauge that. Like you have to you have to pick your day, you have to pick your your convention, you have to pick your clientele. Are you selling things? Are you not selling things? Do you just go as somebody who is viewing like there's there's definitely been a couple of times where i've i've thought to just go as a guest or just just to just so that i have that time to to talk to people just because they have things that they're doing too it's not you're not the only one there so interesting and is there like are there groups out there for artists and writers who come together who kind of like work out deals to get tables together or is everybody just vying for their own lane? No, most people have like a group that they work with. It really, it, it depends on where you kind of are in the industry. So like I said, a lot of times I spend, I spend time in Artist Alley. Um, so that most of, most of the people in Artist Alley are independent artists. Right. But there have been several groups that I talk to that, um, mostly out of Texas at this point that I've, that I've spoken to that, that get together so that they can get their tables together and they're traveling together. So they're, mm -hmm. they're carpooling or they're in a train so that if anybody has car problems, um, they're getting, they're getting rooms together so they can split that. Um, yeah, there, there's definitely groups of people out there that you can talk to that, that will, will work with you. Just like, you know, Leanne, I told you about New Mexico comic expo. Like mm -hmm. if you were to come out here, like I have a bed for you to crash on for the weekend. Yeah. So it's like you make friends in the different places. Like if you make friends with somebody who's local there, then the next time that convention happens, you can be like, hey, like, can I can I stay with you? I can give you a ticket or I can give you like 40 bucks for the weekend or whatever you want to do. And then you have that person that you can that you've networked with, you can connect with, you can be friends with. They know where to eat because they live there. So like meeting people locally is is a good thing, too. Those, those are all very good points, too, So especially for a lot of the listening audience who, who whose plans on going to the first con this year. I know this will be the first time I'm going as not a guest. Um, this The first time was kind of crazy. And um, you get to, I got to talk to a lot of authors, um, not just notoriety, like creators of notoriety, um, like, uh, like Peter David and Tony Isabella, but like smaller publishers who've been in the industry, but not so mainstream as they're like the JK Rowling's of their, of their lane, you know, and, and they all have a lot of interesting things to say, but you can only interact with them like at the areas that they were designated or that they purchased. Mm -hmm. So you, you can observe a lot of the, the, the cohabitations and like the rituals of practicing cons and like what they expect and what you expect from the crowds. And, and it was, you have to seek people out if, if you want to know certain things. And I was just kind of like rustling my feathers because I know that I was about to get into comics and I know this is kind of like, this is the game, right? Mm -hmm. You want to succeed, you have to play the game, regardless of what you go into, whether it's film, construction, um, you want to fly in space, there's rules. You just got to follow them. 
Um, so I was just kind of observing, but I always find it interesting, the perspective that, that artists and other writers have on like con life and what they find more valuable because he brought up a good point and not a lot of people reacted to it positively because I mean, it is kind of a pry on the nature of the game, right? Like selling out of your backpack is totally like you didn't pay $300 to sit in artist alley and you can't move nowhere. So I, I get it where he's coming from, Yeah, but he, he was looking it's... at money. Well, a lot of it is that that something like that is kind of distracting too. It can be distracting. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, well, okay, I, if, if the con catches you, you're probably out. So exactly. yeah. it's not a good long-term plan. You're not even supposed to do that. I mean, <laughs> like I, again, I, I understand the other side of it, but like, because I've mostly done smaller conventions, the people that show up with their backpacks and sell out of their backpacks are generally people who are like, handing out things about their religion. So that's really the only thing that, that I've really had like experience with. And then the other thing is like, again, it, it's distracting. If I, I think that, that I went to Lightbox Expo um, in person a couple of years ago and something that the convention had to like, they had to like stop it. There's, there's like so many people there and they had to basically like send out and like this mass email because they couldn't contact us all at once but like there were people there this isn't necessarily selling out of their backpacks but like the shameless self-promotion where these people were bringing their own stickers in and putting stickers on walls oh, <laughs> or wow. you take you take your own things and like somebody's having a conversation with an artist and you interrupt their conversation to be like oh look at my art instead which is kind of, it, it, that kind of happens with people who are tabling too. Like there, there's that thing that, that you have to like, you have to know when you can speak. Like if you're next to somebody that has the same things as you, like you know that probably the person looking at their stuff is gonna like your stuff, but you need to give them the time and the respect to, you know, that they're, they're your booth buddy basically for the entire weekend. So that's why I kind of see like the selling out of the backpacks is to be disrespectful because you're basically going into everybody else's space and taking the attention that they, they paid for that attention. Like they paid for the people who are walking past and you're just there right. like, Hey, look at what I have. Surprise. <laughs> Ruin, ruining sales and, and, and like tricking people. It's not fun. But, 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 you know, he was trying to save money and I understood that. But at the same time, I was like, like, look at, look at the currency that you could get by getting a table. People look at you as a, in a different light. Like you, mm -hmm. you, you carry the perception torch at that point. Like people know you're legit. People know that you came there prepared to help them and everybody else and establish yourself. And like, you're going to wait your turn. Like if people walk up to your table, nobody's next to you is going to blurt out and be like, don't look at that shit. Come look at my stuff. I've definitely been with, I've definitely had like booth, um, booth neighbors that have done that. That that's horrible. that have just like, just like yelled at people who are standing at my table. Oh yeah. Come look at my stuff. And I was like, they're not done. And it distracts the people who are at your table. It distracts them because usually they'll follow. Usually they'll do it because they're trying to be, they're trying to be respectful. Right. Yeah. yeah I found myself in a few of those situations where I was just like, that's, that's kind of rude. And then I end up buying something from that table that they yelled at. And then I don't go by that other table at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But some people, some people are just like completely overwhelmed by the convention scene and yeah. it like not even, not even able to like think of, Oh, why is this person yelling at me? I need to leave. 
Yeah. It's like, stop yelling at me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's a I lot. Be like, if nobody's ever been to a concert or a monster jam, like, you know, 1,500, 2,000 people under one roof. A monster for, jam? Yeah, monster jam. Monster trucks. You've never monster. been to monster Oh, trucks? okay. No, I have okay. not been to monster trucks. I've been to many concerts, but. It's really loud, and they do some really cool In fact, the last one that came through, I went with my sister because it was a ritual that her and my mom used to do, so I was filling it for emotional support. Yeah. And uh, Toro, I was like, this is dumb, because they, they were just jumping over mounds of sand, and I'm just, I'm, I'm, too, I'm too logical for stuff like that. Mm. I feel chaotic and a little violent, you know, being that, that, that. I feel myself an intellectual, so I don't see the need to waste such materials on giant machines that waste gas um, to jump over piles of sand, which is what my four-year-old did with cars. And then he grew up. (laughs) I just don't think it's a great way to contribute to the entertainment industry or to the world as a whole. So um, my 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 default mind is like, I hope somebody has a car. Like that would be exciting. Um, Because my first show, they brought in this this. giant dragon then had like fangs and like he picked up a car and he cut it in half i thought that was cool or like the jet engine on the back of a on the back of a um a a ford taurus or something that was cool (laughs) Uh, but just i mean rectangular arena where you know motorcycle people are just like jumping over stuff and i mean the monster trucks barely do tricks there's like eight tricks and i only saw four So Toro ended up uh, ended up face planting, trying to do like a tire stand, and rolled the cage, and everybody in the audience was like, <gasps> and I was like, yes, but don't worry, everybody, there's a roll cage in there. He's completely fine. Like, <laughs> I just it's it's exciting though, but it's overwhelming because it's super loud. It's indoors. You don't know what people are like, especially for people who like leave the house, and like on a weekly basis. Um, analytically never see or mingle with more than two or three people at a time and half those people are usually the people they get coffee from mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> especially after like covid <laughs> yeah so. it was a little little slow getting back to doing stuff once like people started doing stuff yeah and then people got to trust each other again and get used to being in the open scene and being respectful of other people's you know like ideals and and mm-hmm. doing things people have to get used to the world being the world again but it can it can be extremely overwhelming which is not an which is not an excuse people out there who have fallen victim or have been the um the victimizers of of said ash holeless things um no excuse at all so in close guys i want to thank you two for attending the show i am so happy that anchor was acting right today because the last time I had attempted to have um, a guest, it was uh, when I interviewed uh, Robert Ryan, um, the creator of The Manacle Smile, and he was trying to bring on two other people, and we ended up playing like podcast musical chairs. Uh, so I was really nervous about it, but I'm, I'm so glad that we were all able to bring a stable internet connection and Anchor wasn't being wonky. Is there anything that you guys would like to, uh, to talk about or plug um, before we head off? Uh, well, so by the time, by the time this airs, I'm assuming it's not going to be day one anymore. So (laughs) tomorrow, oh, okay. Well, the day one will be gone still, but I don't know. There might be a day two promo. 
Um, but Cthulhu Invades Wonderland and Cthulhu is Hard to Spell 3, if you back both, you get like a really cool double-sided bookmark. And I have like literally probably 100 bookmarks, so I don't really need another bookmark, but it looks cool. So Awesome. I, I, I don't really have anything. <laughs> you don't have anything? Well, how about you're, I mean, you're an artist, so let's, I mean, do you have a place that people can contact you in case they want to, you know, make their own four page short and they need an artist or they have a graphic uh, and want to pay your bills for you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you want to uh, pay me to do what I love, uh, you can find me at ColorWired on Instagram or at ColorWired.com. Um, that's that's about it uh i love what i do <laughs> <laughs> and then it's exceptional work um everybody who's in the hard to spell cthulhu and and even the wonderland because i got the i got the ks version that the preview that travis was, oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah i love the cover on that thing and i and i got to read the stories the, that the, the cover there's like 50 i mean not well, really the, but there's the, a lot as cover um yeah. for, for the preview that he he did at that con that, that he ended up having like eight left over and i wasn't able to make it out to florida so i was like super ecstatic he sent me that book but they every, everybody did an exceptional job and um i'm actually really thankful that you guys sent me that pdf i i honestly yeah. thought i was only going to get your story when i realized <laughs> um when google told me that they couldn't preview the file because the file was too big and i hit download and it said 181 pages holy crap like, I was kind of worried. I was like, did you guys get permission to send me all that? Did they know? I mean, I'm not going to share it or anything. But I was just, like, only expecting four pages, and I got 181. So, uh, <laughs> giving me a lot to read about. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you got more knowledge going into if you want to post any any good good words online. So, mm -hmm. Yes, I could throw up a <laughs> blog posts on my website, which, segue, comics and the letter N pop dashtarts.com subscribe for a free comic book check out all our amazing shows with all of our amazing guests like Leanne and Abby here which will be out Friday we air Fridays and Mondays click like follow and subscribe on Apple, Google and wherever other podcasts are heard thank you guys so much for coming out I'm Inevitable Mike this is the Comics and Pop-Tarts podcast channel that was our box of Pop-Tarts for tonight I hope you guys enjoyed the show please come back to all of our sudden continents that view. Peace, love, and chicken grease, guys. Later. Bye.